So creativity can come from all sorts of places. And especially, I think, reminding people in a business corporate sense that this is not a place to park your creativity. It is not the place to forget your humanity and your kindness and your sense of fun and your warmth. In fact, the research says, what's the most impactful leader style? It's balance of credibility and authority and warmth. Welcome to the Creative Chats Podcast with Mike Brennan. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Creative Chats. I am your host, Mike Brennan, and this is the podcast where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. And I love to unpack these things mostly with my guests and explore how we can apply these things to our own creative processes and journeys. Now, I would love to also invite you to subscribe to the Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. Nobody needs more emails. I get that. But this email that I send out once a week is packed with some inspiration, some resources. I give daily creative prompts for you if you're looking for something to get you out of the rut to kind of get the juices flowing. Perfect for you. Also, we have a community over on Facebook that is called Daily Creative Habit as well. And uh, I would love for you just to be taking a step to to be a part of that community. Um, Come around people who are like minded, raising their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. So if that's you, head on over to dailycreativehabit.com and you'll find all those resources there. Hey, I'd also love to invite you to check out my book, Make Fun a Habit. It's the creative playbook for making life and work fun again. If you have felt like fun has up and left the building somewhere along the way, I think we all do uh, at some point, you find yourself centering around some practicality and responsibility and all the adulting words. (laughs) If you need a little bit more fun in your life, in your work, in your experience, Then I want to invite you to grab a copy of my book. It's 30 short chapters that give you some inspiration, some practical application and exercises so that you can start to experience some more fun in and around your life. Go to makefunahabit.com and grab your copy today. Hey, it is my absolute pleasure to bring to you this week's episode with guest Gina London. And Gina is an absolute joy. I loved having this conversation with her all about communication. Now, Gina is the CEO of the Language of Leadership Company. Uh, She has clients that she serves like JP Morgan, Google, Coca-Cola, the list goes on and on. She's also a published author and a regular media analyst. She's appeared on BBC, Fox, CNN. Uh, She also writes a weekly business leadership column, The Communicator. And, you know, last but not least, Gina is an Emmy Award winning former CNN anchor and correspondent. So, you know, she has a lot of credibility when it comes to communication and showing up and delivering a message and talking with people. So this episode is great because no matter who you are, what you're doing creatively, I think we can all benefit from learning how to communicate what we do and what's important to us and talk more about what it is that we create in a way that connects with people. So without further ado, here is my creative chat with Gina London. 
Well, Gina, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. This is exciting. I have been waiting for this day for a long time. So thank you for being here. You're very welcome, Mike. I'm happy to be here too. Yes. So, you know, it's funny. We were talking right before we were rolling of how we got connected through, I think it was Instagram, uh, because I came across a quote from you and created a piece of art with the quote and posted it. And then that kind of connected us. And I, I'm not even sure exactly how that all transpired, but I'm just so glad that it did because it kind of put us in each other's orbits a little bit and uh, now led to this moment. So thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. And, you know, I think this is one of the the byproducts, if you will, of the silver linings of pandemic and lockdown and people being more open to connecting through virtual mediums. Yes, we've always, we know, always, we've had social media longer than pandemic and lockdown, but I think we became more in tune to one another through that medium and continue to stay connected and use it as an alternative. It's not best way to connect, but it certainly is an option that I don't think any of us understood or utilized the way we do now. And in fact, a lot of my clients, I'd say maybe 80% of my new clients since pandemic have been originated through virtual connections that have then ultimately led to either virtual support or in-person support. So here we are, and I'm really glad that we're doing it. And here's to one day meeting in person too. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I I will take you up on that. So I would love to just talk a little bit about like, obviously who you are, what you do, your journey uh, and and creativity, Um, but just to kind of encapsulate things, right? When people are meeting you for the first time, because you have several things that you've done and that you do do, um, how do you introduce yourself? What is the thing that you lead with at, at, uh, you know, places where people wanna know more about you in terms of your profession? Yeah, like the network cocktail reception elevator pitch. Exactly. I would quickly say that I help leaders connect better to themselves and to others through purposeful communications. So a deeper dive on that is I coach, speak, train, and consult on culture, engagement, and again, purposeful communication. So what does that mean? That means are people aware of the impact they are making? And how aware are they of the more effort and control and, frankly, responsibility that they have over how they connect? And, of course, with the big caveat that this is purposeful, positive connections, not purposeful, divisive or fear mongering or command and control style of leadership. But seriously, I get asked a lot by large organizations globally to help their senior leadership team get more connected to each other, be more engaging and transparent to their employees, better connect with they're on a a podcast like this, or they're going to be on a big stage. So individuals, teams, leaders, like I mentioned, but also emerging talent. If you're a human being and I can help you be more aware and, and take more control of how you communicate, that's really my mission. Love it, love it. And it's so needed too. I'm curious, where did this come from? Like, why is this so important to you? Yeah, thank you for that. And it wasn't my, I didn't start out as a little kid with the, like, oh, I wanted leadership right. development. I mean, I didn't even know what that was. So I'm coming to you live from my home office here in Ireland, Mike, as you know, but for people who are listening, you can hear this accent is American. So yes, I grew up 
in the United States, a group in a really small town, about 1,200 people, called Farmland, Indiana. That is actually the name of the town, not just the descriptor. (laughs) (laughs) And, And growing up there, I had a desire really from an early, early age. I wanted to be a journalist. I read newspapers. I was really fascinated by especially the emerging female television anchors like Linda Ellerby or Diane Sawyer or Barbara Walters. These women, I read the biographies that came out about them and I was fascinated by the impact they could make. And I frankly saw a bit of storytelling journalism as my ticket out of that small town. Now, I have great friends still there and I love some, not all, of the values that I experienced when I was there. And so my first dream was to be a journalist. And I started in newspapers. I worked after college at the Orlando Sentinel in Florida. And then I moved to Washington, D.C. And I started working at the local Fox station in in, uh, Washington, WTTG. Shout out to anybody from Fox 5. And then they were like a family. And from there, I had an opportunity to write at the CNN News Bureau in D.C. And ultimately, my first and only full-time correspondent job was with the network. So fantastic opportunity. I ended up moving to, I did all sorts of breaking news and all sorts of White House stuff. And I ended up moving to Atlanta then with them and anchored for some time and then ultimately left CNN and became a government affairs communications director. So I worked with a big government affairs stroke lobbyist firm. And I worked with a lot of big corporations then to help them make their public involvement pieces for projects. How are they going to be talking to the press? How are they going to be involving people that might be required to vote or approve a project that they had going? And one of the things I was really excited about is I got to be a part of the public involvement for the largest mass transit build out at the time in the United States called Fast Track. And it was light rail and train and bus and bicycles. And there was this was all taking place in Colorado which was a very not mass transit style of mindset at the time. They really loved their cars. And yet we were able to get that approved and it's built out. And it's really a great, I think, role model or signature piece in the United States of how positive messaging and a vision that is something that's going to be changing lives for the better can be achieved. Mm, Yeah. Wow. I mean, those are no small things. Any one in and of itself is is a pretty, <laughs> uh, you know, I think in, in, intense type of uh, scenario to be involved with and, and people to be involved with. Um, that's incredible, the opportunities that you've had and how you have just worked hard to be involved in those endeavors and with those people. Um, I'm curious, as you were, were doing that work, were there themes that would arise in terms of communication that you f- feel like these are common things that people struggle with? And, and what would those be? Yeah, the first thing is the power of relationships, Mike. I mean, and that sounds obvious, but sincerely, the your commitment, your follow through, your kindness, your listening. And now we can put these into modules and we can call them learning objectives and we can make these all formal. But it's identifying these kinds of elements with, again, purpose and intention. So my whole approach now is I help people not just wing it, 
You know, a lot of people out there might see somebody who's speaking at an event and think, oh, they're just a natural speaker. And I would 99.9% of the time push back and say, no, they've had to have some coaching. They've undergone some practice and development and real dedication to fine tune what they're doing with the foundation that they're wanting to do it to better improve other people's lives, to better connect, to build that relationship. So I found early on, even from when I was trying at CNN, to change my story at the top of the hour because now we're talking to a different audience or we need to come up with an update because something new has happened. So the ability to be quick and flexible and change the hook and yes, oversimplify because that's certainly a hallmark of television news then and even more so today. And that's not, that's another discussion. But sometimes in a lot of times, actually, in corporate land now, which is where I largely am asked to serve and support, you have an executive or even if you have a sales middle manager who's really in the weeds, they're focused on their issue or their project, and they might be or their medical science research, whatever it is, because I work in lots of different sectors. When you're so in the weeds that you can't step out for a second and think about who's the audience you're talking to. What's driving them? What's their hope and dream about this conversation or this event that you're going to have with someone? Then you can potentially lose the audience because you're so much into the details or the chronological story. Oh, we know the earth cooled and then we did this. And then people are like, I want to know what's in it for me. I'm bored. I'm not listening anymore. Right. And so we help people tap into that high level message, identify it for yourself so that your audience knows what the heck you're talking about. And again, it is a developable skill. It's not something where I say, oh, you, everyone needs to become like me or become like that extrovert you see on that stage. But you can become a more purposeful version of you. And that's not changing you. That's developing you. And that's accentuating you. And there is a difference because sometimes I get pushed back by, well, this is just who I am. Take me or leave me. This is my authentic self. I'm like, wait a minute. Your authentic self, when you were five, didn't know the skills that you have now. And I hope you'd like to develop those communication skills alongside whatever technical skills you've developed, because that helps us be, again, not that pinball in a pinball machine bouncing all around aimlessly, but someone who's actually thinking about what are my values? What is the goal for this interview, pitch, presentation, whatever it is? What's the goal of the other person? How can I lead with what's potentially in their mind so that they know I care? So I help people be purposefully kind and purposely build relationships through word choice, through simplification when it's needed, through storytelling, through taking more control of their voice, which I adore that piece. That's, I think, a little thread of creativity. And then the mechanisms of our body. Talk about performance art. Our bodies are part of the experience of how people communicate with us. And even though right now we're coming through on your podcast with largely audio, if anyone is actually you and I are looking at each other through a Zoom screen, if I were having the same conversation with you with my camera off, it'd be less connecting. And if I were camera on and looking at you with a 
blank face and no expression in my eyes and not using some gestures and would also not contribute to our communication event. So I help people again, raise your awareness and then little by little, one small trait at a time, start to take more control of how you come across through your words, your body and your voice. And again, does it make you fake? It makes you more purposeful. And that's a real key um, distinction. Yeah, I love that. I love the words that you've used of purposeful and intention and even like thoughtfulness, right? Because in thinking about the other person and thinking about what's happening in either a conversation or when you're presenting something, who am I speaking to? What are the needs there? Um, It's funny because, you know, you mentioned one part in there as far as like the refinement process. And Mm. I think people don't realize how hard it is to deliver a shorter message that's impactful because, you know, people can go on and on and have a lot of filler detail and a lot of things and to to work on something so that you get to the core essence of what it is that you're trying to say and how you want to say it in such a way that it's portable and transferable is is a hard thing to do but it's a skill like you said that can be attained and i've seen this a lot too even with um besides speaking that i do but helping other people with some design for slide decks And I can always Uh tell when someone hasn't really put a whole lot of time into their message and they're giving me notes to translate into slides because they'll want to put like a whole Excel spreadsheet on a slide. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, we're thinking like (laughs) billboard here. We want like quick phrases. We want, you know, easy access. We don't want all the the, the jargon. Uh, People are going to fall asleep. And so I appreciate that you underscore that part. because then everybody wins, right? They win because they're communicating much more clearly and succinctly. And then the audience wins because obviously they're not falling asleep and they're engaging with the material. Uh, so that's that's exactly. awesome. I love that. And, um, and, and to build on what you were saying, oh, sorry, yeah. Mike, just to quickly build on what you were saying about the visual support. Yes, yes, and yes. Somewhere along the line, business people thought, let's reduce the number of slides. But what they didn't understand is what, what the what happened from that is that like you were saying then the result is people are putting a thousand bits of information on one slide and that defeats the purpose the purpose was to have fewer simple slides not four slides with 40 pieces of information per slide so i'd rather have more slides with less information like a picture or one billboard headline like you were describing and bring people along with you while you're speaking as opposed to what typically happens is someone standing there talking but everybody in the audience is reading over that person's shoulder at point number 50 while they're talking about point number one and it's chaos in terms of bringing your audience along on a journey incrementally while you're speaking you're the presentation not those bloody slides (laughs) right right exactly exactly i'm curious too as to like when you're talking with people, some people may have a bias more towards information. And so they're mm. more logic driven, whereas other people may have a bias more towards, let's just say, you know, heart driven, storytelling, inspirational things. And they need some more of the the logic and, and stats and things, right? Have you found that there's one of those categories that seems to outweigh the others? The answer to that question is for the person who's giving the, the, the seller in this case to think more about the buyer and is the buyer 
more rational brain? Is the buyer the financial officer or is the, finan- is the buyer the marketing officer, for example? And I'm making some obvious assumptions about those types of people. But again, more that you can know about that other person and think, do I need to be more clear and direct? Do I need to lead with a story? Do I tell a personal example or do I give a case study? And that's, again, being more flexible with your ingredients so that you're cooking the presentation that's going to be the most palatable and delicious for the receiver. So I might lean more into storytelling and crafting that because I enjoy that from my background as a journalist and what have you. However, I also, if I'm meeting someone for the first time, I'm going to probably dial that back a little more until I can see what that other person is responding to. And again, because I am pretty practiced in this, I can reach into that ingredient bag in real time and change what I might've prepared into what I'm actually going to deliver. That's not always easy for someone starting out, but it starts with the mindset of what delicious food does the other person want? Am I informing? Probably a little bit, but even the most factual information should probably have some element of what's in it for them. What's the improvement? Not just to inform, but rather to motivate to some sort of action. So what is it I want that receiver, that buyer to do with whatever it is? I'm presenting, and that's going to help motivate you and explain to you and inform to you how you're going to then bring those ingredients of a presentation or an interview or a sales pitch or one-on-one or whatever together. Mm, Yeah. You know, I love the way you explain that. And there's, there's a certain amount of, um, I guess, improv, right? When you're in that place where you have those elements, you have the ingredients, as you said, and you're able to assess the situation and appropriately grab the right thing so that you're doing it again, like you're, you're underscoring here with intention and purpose. So yes. you're communicating the right way to, you know, to the people who are before you, you're not constantly about you, 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 right. It's, I, I really love the word improv because it is, it's, it's an intentional improv with known ingredients. Mm-hmm. Most people when they're having a communication event. And by the way, a communication event is not just a presentation, folks. The best way to prepare for a presentation is to treat everything, talking to the barista, talking to your shopkeeper, talking to your mechanic, talking to your doctor, talking to your neighbor, talking to your kids. Those are all opportunities to start to practice that intentionality or what I also call that external observer mindset looking at them, really looking at them, not monologuing, watching and listening for not just what they say, but what they don't say potentially, and asking questions. And then as you're becoming more aware of the things that they're demonstrating to you, you can in real time begin to select, okay, I need to ask a follow-up question. Okay, I need to stop talking. I don't, I better not interrupt them. Why am I leaping to my solution or my ask? Why don't I keep them in the driver's seat for a little longer? Because I'm getting those cues from them that they'd like to continue. So getting people out of autopilot and into focused pilot mode, it's a discipline. And it. I still, I still work on it. I don't think it's a one and done at all. I think this is a lifetime endeavor. And that's exciting because 
hopefully we're still impacting and making positive influence with ourselves and others and ourselves too, by the way, for the rest of our life. And so the first thing when I'm working one-on-one, especially with a client is to get to know how they think about themselves. Mm. Because the first person that we communicate with every morning and the last person we communicate with at night is us. And what's our self-talk tracks? What are our, we hear a lot about the imposter syndrome. And really that's essentially a fancy clinical word for that niggling self-doubt that can happen for a variety of different reasons and does happen to nearly everybody at some point in time. What do we do with that? How do we disrupt it? How do we substitute more positive, not just the opposite? Oh, no, I can do it because we don't necessarily believe those types of things. We have to be credible to ourselves, but we can develop our own mindset and our own self-talk. And it's usually through, not usually, I would say it's always through behavior modifications will change our thoughts. Your actions will change your thoughts, not your thoughts, and then your actions. And that's a different neurological neuroscience approach than what people were saying even 20 years ago about this. Well, first you got to believe it and get yourself more confidence, and then you'll project your voice, or then you'll look people in the eyes when you're speaking, or then you'll stand up taller or sit up taller when you're in a room. No, do those things now and watch the responses, and that will reinforce the behavior, which then over time actually retrains those neural pathways of how you believe you are. I was very shy as a kid. I was called mumbles by one of our neighbors in my neighborhood, thanks a lot, for <laughs> 10 years. From the time I went door to door when I was eight years old selling Girl Scout cookies, and this mean neighbor who I won't name out loud, said, I don't understand the word that you're saying, but I was so nervous. Of course, it didn't come out clearly. I was eight. And then every single time he saw me until I graduated high school at 18, he would go, hey, mumbles, and think that doesn't knock your confidence Mm -hmm. as a kid who kind of would like to go to university and become a journalist. (laughs) So a lot of us, though, we carry those things that people said to us, good and bad, mostly bad. I think the negative offhand comments stick harder than the compliments. We know that, I think, about human nature. So we drag this pile of comments from coaches, neighbors, even parents and siblings and friends in school, like a little wagon of luggage. And to help people unpack that, acknowledge it, understand where it came from, that whole self-fulfilling prophecy, oh, well, I don't speak clearly. Well, really, why? Oh, gosh, I think it was because that neighbor back when I was eight. Okay, so is that really who you are? Is that who you have become? And then what can you take charge of to become something different? You can. And that gets me excited, as you can tell, because I just went on. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I love that. And it's so needed and necessary, um, especially the the piece connecting to yourself. I think you know, not not enough people really do the hard work uh, and practice or and get it does into take a practice. Work. Yes, and get into a practice of self awareness um, yeah. and thinking about like, okay, yes, like what is the talk that's going on with me, and how is that not only affecting me, but then how I'm approaching other people and the way that I'm communicating mm-hmm. and what I'm communicating, all those things. It, it does. It starts with us inside, and so. 
to not pay attention to that. I mean, you'll never get to certain breakthroughs if you don't do the hard work. And so I appreciate agreed, you. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, you, you know, the work that you do with that. Um, now, is that part of just uh, what you do in terms of if it's one-on-one -on -one work with people or is this also the academy that you've set up as well? I know you ah, have thank um, you. video video, um, you know, trainings. Is this something someone can learn by themselves through those trainings? Or is this like more of a deeper dive one on one with you? Yes, and yes. But for the academy purposes, I have this lovely program that is really economical, super cost effective for the impact that you can get. If you put in the work, obviously, mm -hmm. it's like it's not there's no magic pill for dieting, except for I guess maybe Ozempic, but that's another discussion. But there, there's for, for development around our awareness and then the choices that we make. So you likely aren't going to become a concert pianist by watching one video. You have to put your fingers on the keyboard. You have to get accustomed to making the run and making the chords and the left hand and the right hand together. And all of that kind of integration takes time and practice. Same thing with becoming, okay, I speak slowly or I speak too quickly or I speak very softly or I don't feel comfortable speaking up in a meeting all of those types of things let's do our baseline to find out who we are and then let's take these incremental steps to modify tiny tiny little things so that over time we're integrating the whole process I have the academy that you mentioned called language of leadership lol and I, when someone mentioned, I came up with language of leadership as the company name a number of years ago, and then the academy, we called it the same. And someone said, you know, the initials are LOL. And I said, great, because I want it to be fun. I want, yes. nobody <laughs> wants to learn anything if it's boring and, and uncomfortable, right? So languageofleadership.org, you can go right now, you can sign up. I'll know that you signed up. So we're going to build a community, community G as we're calling it, starting this year, the end of this month, this is eight, uh, February when you and I are speaking, depending on when this airs, that we are going to have live Q&A opportunities with me. So you go on to lollanguageofleadership.org, sign up. You can begin a process today to raise your awareness, stroke that desire, and little by little, you have every video, there's micro videos, 120 videos. It's designed to be a daily micro video plus an exercise that brings you along a path of awareness and development around what's your body language? How well do you know how to tell a story? How do you present? How can you gamify things to get more excited for yourself and for others and more and more and more? And there's also a number of PDFs that you can download so you have real tangible tools you can go back and refer to. So I'm really thrilled about this and thank you for for asking for it and there is a special i mean it's only it's less than 200 bucks for all of that learning and i can tell you that is a fraction of what companies pay for the one-on-one -on -one coaching that i provide when i'm working with executives and emerging leaders on this stuff but i am convinced i call it my ad principle your awareness is heightened but you don't stop there your desire has to be encouraged because if we don't want to do it, we're not going to, obviously. And then the second D is the discipline. And it does take daily work. But look, my videos are four minutes, I think, max. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take hours and hours every day. It takes just turning on that awareness button, watching and finding that example or that exercise 
and then absorbing and thinking and hopefully trying some things. But it it's not a quick fix, but it is an incremental transformation. Yes. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that as well, because that is something I talk about all the time as well. This idea of starting small and people thinking, well, what is small really going to do? What's the value in small? But small and consistent adds up and there's momentum that happens and change comes with momentum. So when people are engaging with something, even if it's 10 minutes a day, that's a lot more powerful than waiting for an afternoon, a whole day, a whole weekend for some investment like that. And so when yeah. people start to do that, and I encourage people, I lead people through, you know, my daily creative habit process, that's step one is start small, like boil it down to the, to the, to the next step that you can take so that you're taking action so that you're doing something because too many right. times we're waiting and we're, we're, we're totally undervaluing small because we don't think yeah. it's worth anything. You know, it's a penny. What right. is that going to do? But pennies add up. And so, um, yeah. it's, it's just an idea saying, of 1% compounded interest exactly. right, that you're alluding to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have a tendency, myself included, we want it all yesterday. Mm -hmm. We want change to happen five years ago. And yet we sit and wait and we sit and wait for that perfect time. And then next thing you know, six months have passed. Well, it's going to be six months of results or six months of regrets. Right. And that's really where it comes down to is don't say, okay, I'm committing today. I'm going to go to the gym for eight hours. I'm going to lose all 10 pounds at the end of the eight hours. And if I don't, then I'm going to kick the can and go eat a chocolate cake and start again in a month. No, just say no to that extra bowl of ice cream today, mark it somewhere. I'm a big believer yeah. in tracking progress, which is why on lollanguageofleadership.org, you can and should be tracking your progress because then you can see how you're making adjustments. And these mm -hmm. little adjustments, once you've gone through the program or even a couple of weeks, you can look behind your shoulder and go, I'm more aware of reading other people's body language than I was. And most importantly of all, I'm now more aware of delivering engaging body language than I was. The number of people I have worked with, I mean, I've been doing this now since the company was formed almost 10 years ago, but I've been doing this in one way or the other almost for 20 years at this point. I've met so many people who say, I don't even know how I come across. I'm not even aware of what my resting face is. And we've all heard of this resting bitch face and we're going to pick another gender neutral description for it. But if you look grouchy or super serious, unless you're trying to make a very serious point, mind you, mm -hmm. then that is on, no, that, then there's no surprise. There shouldn't be a surprise why people don't feel you're approachable or why people don't trust you or they don't share with you. Or if you're constantly interrupting people, you're constantly leaping loudly to the biggest opinion at the, at the meeting. Maybe you, you might be able to, you might be able to steamroll your way into leadership, but I guarantee you will not have lasting, loyal relationships that will see you through. And I had a year ago around this time, the privilege of interviewing Robert Waldinger. He's the fourth director of the world's longest study, academic study out of Harvard on happiness. Mm. And no surprise, Mike, but yet it's ratified by all this 
nearly a hundred years of research, what's the key to success? What do people identify and others identify for them? It's relationships. It's long lasting relationships that take effort on our part. And so the old, the old idea of command and control that some leaders still exhibit might get them <clears throat> elected or some other things, but it will not be, we're just touching on this moving on, but it, any human being, we want someone who values us. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. And rather than waiting for others to do that for us, we can do it for others. And so an important thing to remember right now, if you're listening to this, you do not have to be the big CEO, even though I work with a lot of execs. The human beings, regardless of where you are, you impact someone. You're a leader of yourself, if no one else. You're a leader to your children. You're a leader to that barista that is 17 years old and is just trying to get through the day. If you're generally looking at them and remembering their names, the next time you come in, that's a little bit of your light, adding light to the other person. And I know that sounds maybe, oh, that's not very business-like, but it is. Mm -hmm. Because we have an opportunity, each one of us, to impact others' lives for positive or for negative. And one of the big caveats of my communications foundational principles is that our communications are not neutral. You think you've got a stoic face that isn't indicating anything, that face in of itself, and this is culturally, geographical, not dependent. You can be from Sweden, you can be from Zimbabwe, you can be from the United States. If you are looking very blank while someone else is speaking to you, that's perceived as a negative, not a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that then, that understanding is an opportunity for us to make a change. And even a soft smile or a little nod or asking that follow-up question, taking genuine interest, not just with your words, but with your voice and your body is available for anyone. And it will change your relationships. It will change the way people see you. And then it will change the way you see yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful because there's so much, Mike, that we can't control in the world around us. And there's Plenty of darkness, and we're talking now with you know the war in, in Gaza and Israel and the situation, the war in Russia and in Ukraine and, and Sudan, which is sort of the forgotten war that we don't talk about nearly enough. And yet there are things we can control. So why not take this opportunity to recommit to that little but important control that we have? Because the ripple effect is real. Yeah, yeah. You know... All these things that that you're talking about in terms of owning yourself, being intentional, being purposeful, crafting a message, crafting how you deliver that message. Obviously, there's creativity that runs under all these things, even storytelling. But I would love to know, is there something that you think of when you think of creativity in terms of what you do and how you do things? Like, is there some... Uh, maybe creative practice, or is there some application of creativity that you readily go to? I thank you for that, because sometimes I think I would undersell the creativity, the creativity portion of the process, except for when you highlight it. And that reminds me, yes, storytelling. 
-hmm. exercising that muscle of, do I have a story? I had a senior leader in a really large organization. I won't name the name, but they're based out of Sweden and they sell this really clear vodka that's in a, in a container that has blue writing. <laughs> <laughs> but this particular senior leader, we were talking about this and she said, I don't tell personal stories because I've never done anything interesting. And I thought, oh, my goodness, we are going to tackle this right now. We have the little stories of when our children first learned to walk or when we remember when our mom or dad or somebody held, held us on the bicycle and the training wheels were taken off. And that for, those are stories helping people tap into their creative memory, their memory themselves, and then using that as a creative tool to connect back to another point, even in a business sense. I once had this terrific discussion with an exec about a story from his child. I said, think, I said, think of it. Usually what I do is it, here's the process. I say, think of a presentation you're going to give. Okay. What, what's the key word from this or the theme from this particular presentation. Well, he says, well, I think it's disruption. Great. Now we've got a keyword. Now, quickly, because there's a million different stories, but just one, think of a time when you disrupted something or someone else's, but it, it's more fun when it comes from their own stories, usually. And he goes, oh, I've got one. I'm like, okay. And he started, started telling the story of when he was four years old and his grandmother made him eat, put a bowl of cooked spinach in front of him. And he absolutely didn't like it and she demanded he was going to eat it and he disrupted the entire process because without thinking he picked up that bowl and hurled it directly at her but it missed her and it hit the wall behind her and he said until they painted over the the, the splat there was this so we we then it was fantastic i said okay well, that's a great story now we got to do the lesson you learn he's like the lesson you learned is sometimes your impulse is right Sometimes the impulse isn't so so great. But then he said, now I said, now bring that back to the audience. So trust your gut on, on disruption. Don't always accept what the leader is saying. Don't always use throwing something against the wall as your way of expressing that, that counterpoint. But we had so much fun with that particular example that it, it stays with me to this day. That was years ago. But the vividness of imagining this really senior executive at four years old throwing a bowl of spinach at his grandmother. <laughs> so creativity can come from all sorts of places. And especially, I think, reminding people in a business corporate sense that this is not a place to park your creativity. It is not the place to forget your humanity and your kindness and your sense of fun and your warmth. In fact, the research says What's the most impactful leader style? It's balance of credibility and authority and warmth. And how do you bring up your warmth if you're overly rational in terms of perception from others? It's by story. It's by asking questions. It's by stoking those human creative moments that you might still have when you're off hours and bringing it in to the workday. And I love what I do because when you see that light go off in people that really this works I once had the chief oh gosh what was he the chief standard officer the chief something something very businessy and formally for Daimler Chrysler Daimler years ago and we gamified 
his whole, it was standards and safety for the whole global organization. And yet that's very numbers driven. That's very precise. But we, he, with my help, we gamed an entire competition, friendly competition around all the different countries and their safety numbers around the, the soccer, the World Cup. And people that he had, he made, they made designs that they got to draw and people got to be different. You could be from Spain, but you'd be representing a different country in this situation. And it was fun and that's super creative. Mm-hmm. And, and their numbers as a result went even farther up. And that's because people were, when people are more engaged, they perform better and productivity numbers go better. That's science, that's research. So creativity yeah is an absolute essential ingredient in making high-performing teams in the business. We've all heard about the quiet quitting and the people that are feeling like, why are they there? And in this marketplace, you can probably leave and go somewhere else. So if there's not a culture that is creative, that is tapping into your human, that's on them. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've got a lot of quiet yeah. quitters out there. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you, you spoke into all that because that's a, that's a, uh, a drum that I beat often too is creativity and fun. <clears throat> and especially in terms of business, like people going, you know, well, work is work. It's supposed to be work, right? Like, it's like, okay, yes, we're working hard and smart, hopefully, but there's no reason why we shouldn't be enjoying that because if we're not enjoying it, we're not engaged. And there's going to be a shorter uh, span of someone working in an organization if they don't feel like they're connected. And so um, I love that you have just underscored that again. And um, people are hearing it <laughs> from multiple places. Um, so thank you for that. Um, You're very I would, welcome. I, I did a mini workshop last year in Saudi Arabia mm. on gamification. And you should have seen the comp- the competitive nature, but in a friendly way. <laughs> Yes. It was. I wish I would have like recorded the whole thing and played it back because it was fantastic. These are top level executives, men and women, by the way, and ju- the fr- the convivial atmosphere. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous, and people might have a preconceived notion of, oh, well, that wouldn't fly in mm-hmm. fill in the blank company or fill in the blank region. Yes, it does. Are they people? then they want a little bit of levity and a little bit of fun with purpose attached to it. Mm -hmm. So why does this matter is important, but that's actually the easier part is to connect the purpose. (laughs) If you don't forget, (laughs) but it's, it's curating the the creativity and and the joy that has a great outcome. Then as a result. Yes. Love it. Love it. Well, Gina, thank you so much for our time today. I mean, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure. I love hearing you talk about what you do and why you do it. There are so many layers that are aligned with us in terms of what we value and and things that we kind of talk about in different ways. But um, really, it's it's the same thing that we're reinforcing of people knowing themselves, being intentional, the the starting small, the, the having fun and creativity, like all those things. And so um, I thank you so much for this. And just one more time, where can people find you and, and say the link again for your academy so that if someone's listening and they're like, I need to be sure that I'm in Gina's orbit, um, that I can go there now. Thank you, Mike. Please find me, folks, if you're listening to my voice right now and you would like to be more comfortable and confident in the way that you connect with others or yourself and yourself, find me on LinkedIn, find me on Instagram, find me over on TikTok, find me on Facebook, but find me and please do go to the website, languageofleadership.org. That's the academy. That's the learning platform 
where you too can begin your incremental journey of transformation. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Gina. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.